0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. I wonder how many of us look back at our childhood like I do, and I think, I had it so much harder than these kids today today. Don't we do this somewhere? Aren't we like these kids? Like I, we had. There was no such thing as a private phone conversation. Like we had a phone in the kitchen, in the middle of the house, attached to the wall, and you could not go anywhere. There was always someone listening in. Um, yeah, I, I remember having to wait a week to watch the next episode of Family Ties. Right? Uh, food was. Um, there's no microwaves. Everything was like, every meal was 10 pots, and we hand-washed them all after the meal. I had to walk to school, to junior high, to high school, and I don't know, but a mile seemed a lot longer back then than it does now. Um, but I, I think about these things, and I think about, but but I had it better than my mom's generation in so many ways. My mom, she would tell me how they didn't have organized sports for girls in high school. And I was like, oh, I can't imagine life without that opportunity, right? Like we celebrate, we want our society to advance in a way where we can celebrate, look, we've come this much farther than the generation behind us, right? We want to be able, there's something in our hearts where we want the next generation to have it better than we had it, right? Maybe you've heard this phrase that represents that. We want, in some ways, we say this, we want our ceiling to become their floor. We want our ceiling to become the floor for the next generation. We want to go as far as we can in this life. And then we want to pass off what's to come. We want to pass it off, but we want where we ended to be their starting point. Don't we? We want, there's something in our hearts that we just, we celebrate that. But I wonder, how does that really happen? Because that's a great saying. And I've heard that saying for a long time. It's a great idea. But how? How do we live in a way that our life, we can pass off our life, and it can be someone else's st- starting point. How do we live? Really, this is, is all about living in a way where we leave a legacy, where we leave a legacy to people behind us. And I w- was thinking about that, and I, I was just wondering, how do we really embrace this call to live multi-generational? How do we do that? And that's what I want to do today is bring some clarity around leaving a legacy. And here's what I want to do. I want to open up the scripture and I want to get into a big chunk of scripture and I want to look at a case study of a parent, a king who left a legacy to his son, who handed off a great kingdom to the next generation that was coming behind him. And I want to pick up some some parenting tips, but really some tips on how to leave a legacy from King David, um, who left this, this kingdom to his son, Solomon. And maybe you're asking, like, hold on, how successful was this legacy really? How successful was this handoff? Because didn't Solomon, like, blow it? You know, and, and yeah, it was not perfect by any, by any means it was not perfect, but there were a lot of things that happened really well in this handoff. There were a lot of things that we can celebrate that Solomon, um, his reign over Israel actually it was marked by wealth. And peace. He had border on every side. It was marked by this wisdom that was like otherworldly. In fact, he was so wise. He carried so much wisdom in his rule that he, he wrote three books of the Bible, right? And this is what it says about Solomon's kingdom, um, in first Kings, first King 10. He had this other queen, queen of Sheba come visit him. And, uh, when she came and saw the palace and his wisdom and his servants and his table, it says this, it says that she, was overwhelmed like can you imagine how amazing it must have been to overwhelm a queen to blow a queen away because she probably had seen it all already but no she was blown away and she was like listen the report of your achievements that are happening under your rule in your kingdom wow she's like I didn't believe them and I came and they were like half the story of what I really experienced so this was a great handoff. This was a, a kingdom that, uh, that David had, this great kingdom, and he handed it off, and, and it, in greatness just kept on going from his day. And so this is what I want to do. I want us to look at this case study. What happened? And what can we learn from this handoff? And maybe you're going, hold on, hold on. I'm not a parent. I am not, uh, you know, uh, handing off a legacy to kids behind me to my prince, to my princess. Um, or maybe you're like, you know what? It, it's too late for me. My kids, they're not in my house anymore. They're grown. I don't have young kids at home. This really isn't for me. Or, um, you know, maybe you're just, you, you're kind of like, I'm not sure. Parenting tips. Ugh. But here's what I want to do. I want to make it so much more than just like a lesson in parenting. Because really, like I said, this is all about leaving a legacy, and really, what we're wanting to do, guys, what we're going after is that we are going after we're going after this concept of outliving our years on this earth, and this is wise living. We're uh, Kevin and I are in the midst of looking um, through the scripture and finding wisdom for our lives because you guys know that we are growing to be on fire followers of Jesus. You've seen our our signs and our graphic. We're we're moving towards on fire followers of Jesus. And part of that, our middle flame is growing in personal wholeness. And it is just, it's the bottom line is wise living. That's just an easiest way to say that we're giving ourselves to wise living. And so this is what I want, guys. I want for all of us because all of us are connected to people. All of us have people coming behind us somewhere. So maybe there's someone younger that you know, that you love, that you're in relationship with somehow, some way. And I want us to think wherever we are, we are all called to outlive our years on this earth. And so that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to go after. Okay. So here's the background to the scripture, the case study with King David. Um, David was God's choice to to be king over his people Israel, and um, he was doing great things. He was winning wars, and but the the big thing is his heart was in the right place before God. That God, the worship of God alone, was central in his life. That he lived in such purity. He lived in a way where his heart pleased God. Um, and David is is doing great things, but in the midst of it, he's living in this palace, right? And he, he looks around and he's like, how can I live in this palace when God is living in a tent? When God doesn't have a house, he doesn't have a permanent place to live. And David was like, this cannot be, I am going to build a temple for God. So we, he, he just, out of the overflow of his heart, he decides I'm going to build this great temple for God's presence. Now we have to pause and we have to know this is never, God never asked for this. God never dropped this idea in David's head, like, David, I need a place to live, right? It just, out of his love for God, he was like, there must be more for God. And so here's what I'm going to do. I am going to build God, first time that ever has been on this earth, an actual temple for God to live in amongst his people, and it's going to be glorious. It is going to represent the greatness of God. And so he has this, this dream to build this temple. And he brings his plan to God and he says, God, this is what I'm going to do for you. And God was like, actually, David, that's not for you to do. That's going to be for your son, Solomon, to do. And here's what I think is amazing. If we can slow down and think about it, David is able to take this dream in his heart and actually spend the rest of his life planning to hand it off for Solomon to complete, for Solomon to accomplish. You know, he just got right on board with God's plans. Okay. This is going to be for the, the generation behind me. And he spent all this, these years and effort with the plans and the provisions and getting it all ready just to hand off to his son. Like David would not see this completed. He wouldn't be the, his name wouldn't be attached to the one who finished the temple. The stories weren't going to be written about David. It was all for the next generation. Okay, so here we go. We're going to pick up this scripture. How, David, how do you leave that kind of legacy? That is the question. We're going to look at the scripture and see what um, how this came to be. So I'm going to start. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture. We're going to jump around a little bit, but it'll be on the screens. So here we go, First Chronicles 22. David said this, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his his death. Verse 6, and he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. Now, my son, the Lord be with you and may you have success and build the house of the Lord, your God, as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord, your God then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. He says this, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone, and you may add to them. You may have many workers, stonecutters, masons, and carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work, in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now begin the work, and the Lord be with you. And so then he gets all these plans together, and he has worked through all the plans, and we're going to skip a little bit to First Chronicles 22. And it says this, And David gave the plans to his son Solomon, for all the different parts, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, inner rooms, a place of atonement. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms, for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries of the dedicated things. And then he goes on again in verse 20 and he says this, David said to Solomon, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you, until you, till, um, forsake you until all the work for the service of the Lord, temple of the Lord, is finished. And then he goes on, and he says this, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and unexperienced. And this task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. So with all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. And so what happens with all this planning and all this prep? Does it actually ever come to be what we see in Second Chronicles 5, 1? It says this, When all the work Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in the things his father David had dedicated, the silver and gold and all the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of God's temple. He did it. He did it. He was able to take these plans and the resources and he was able to build a temple that would house the presence of God. This is such a mind-blowing thing to me that some person would think that this omnipresent God who is, who is everywhere, who has created all things, would actually come and live in a temple. That the uncontainable one would come and live in this place that someone put together for him on this earth. But it happens. He built something glorious for the presence of God to live in. So here we see that David's dream, it lived on way beyond his years as king. This is what we're going after, guys. This is what it looks like to leave a legacy, to pass something on to someone impossible that someone would run with and finish. So how? How do we leave a legacy like this for our kids, for our nieces, our nephews, our grandkids, our students in our classrooms, our coworkers that are maybe a generation behind us? How? How? That's what we're going to go after here by just looking at the scripture. And the first thing I see is this. The first thing I want us to do, guys, is to get charged up. You know, maybe that's easy for you to say, Molly, because you've lived charged up. But no, this is for all of us, guys, to get charged up. And here's this is the first thing I saw this scripture, and this is what hit my heart so clearly is in First Chronicles twenty two six, where it says this: He called for his son, and he charged him to build a temple. He charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And I read that, and something hit my heart. And I was like, this is so different than the parenting uh, you know, culture that we swim in in so many ways, you guys. Because he's, he, in this minute, he's calling him up to something impossible. It is impossible. It is a huge, huge task. He asked something big of the next generation. And he just went for it. He was just like, I'm charging you. You're going to do this. He handed off an assignment that required the spirit of God to finish. It was risky. You know, it was, it required him to hear him over and over again. You're going to have to be courageous. When you do this, it required bravery. It was like something that was like way, way out there. It was something that was beyond just like human resource and, and natural talent and getting a good team around you. It was something that required faith, you guys. It Required faith. It was a calling up. And I see this as an amazing example of what we're called to do, that we are called to actually come alongside and look at that next generation and call them to something that requires faith something that is that is great something that is beyond you know uh, uh, what our culture might offer as success or greatness it's calling people to the moves it's calling them to the moves of god it's calling them to more and i can see this other example in the old testament and this is exactly what leaving a legacy is like this comes in Deuteron- deuteronomy 4 where God is setting up the way Israel is going to move forward as his people. And this is what God says. Be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Hold them in your heart. Don't let any of it fade from your heart. And then he goes on to say, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord, your God at Horeb, and when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so you may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to your children. This is it. This is a command all about legacy. Don't what you know of God, those impossible things of God, the things that you you sing about on Sunday morning, the way you declare his greatness. Don't let what you've seen of God, don't let the miracles that he's done, the way he's made away and the way he's broken in, don't let any of that glory fade. And here's how, you're gonna pass it off. You're going to keep that in front of you. You're going to talk about it with the next generation. You're to talk about it with your kids. You're going to talk about it with their kids. You're going to hand them off. And that's exactly what we see uh, happening here with, this, with David leaving a legacy. It's like Paul with his spiritual son, Timothy, right? Do you remember what he did? He got Timothy in front of him, and he said this, Now, I give you this charge, Timothy preach the word, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, great patience and careful instruction. They got in front of him and he's like, I'm going to give you something impossible. I don't care if you feel like you're a good teacher. I don't feel if you don't care if you feel like you've been trained to preach, preach the word. I'm charging you to do something glorious, right? Or Mary with her son, Jesus at the wedding in Canaan, Cana that's where it was, right? Cana, right? Uh, there's no wine at this wedding. And Mary brings Jesus in, and she's like, Jesus, take care of this. <laughs> we, have an, we have an issue. Take care of this. And I love Jesus is like, why do you involve me? What has this to do with me, right? But Mary knew. She was able to reach into the future of the miracle that Jesus, the miracles that Jesus was going to do, and pull him in to the current need, right? She got right there, Jesus. You do something about this, Jesus, right? Like you, you get involved. That's it. And so, what I ask you guys is, who will you involve? The way Jesus did, the way Timothy did, the way the way David did. Who will you involve? And um, you guys know I tell as many running stories as Kevin tells army stories. But I I ran track, and uh, the fastest leg on the, the fastest uh, event on the track was the relay right? It was the relay. And you guys know how the relay works. You have uh, four people on your team and you're all at the starting line together. And I would uh, get out there and I would run my leg and I would run it as fast as I, the goal was just to get the biggest lead you could get. Because why? Because there was someone waiting behind me for the baton. There was someone waiting behind me to run their leg. And my one goal was to get as big big a lead as I could so I could hand that baton off so that they could be successful. But I could only go that speed for, for a short time, right? That's it, that's all. And then I have to hand that thing off. And so I want you to look in right now into your life. Where is the younger generation positioned behind you? Who is waiting behind you for the baton? And again, guys, maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's a niece. Maybe it's uh, um, someone that, um, a neighbor, someone in your neighborhood. Maybe there is someone waiting behind you guys. Our church is full of kids. We have um, outreach. Carly and Linda do outreach with Rangrove Grove teens. We're there every week. There are younger people positioned all around us if we can see them. But I want you to identify who is waiting behind you. Maybe it's a quick, easy answer. Maybe you need to kind of dig in. But what would this look like today? What would it look like to get charged up with something to pass off of your life? What would it look like to have a David to Solomon charge in our day? So here's what I want us to identify. What glorious work is God still doing? Where's the unfinished business of the kingdom around you? Where are God's promises not yet fulfilled Around us because guys we have to first see it like david did. David was like this must get done Mary was like jesus this wedding needs wine, right? Like what must get done because here's what I, I see so clearly that the father's business that jesus was like I must be a part of the father's business. It is still in operation today Right, nothing closed down he didn't go into retirement The works that jesus was doing the way he was pushing back like kevin was talking about pushing back the kingdom Pushing back the, the, the despair, pushing back the darkness of our age. It's still, Jesus is still doing the same things today. The Father is still reconciling, reconciling all things to Himself. All things. He's in the business of restoring all things. Everything we see, every part of, uh, of our culture, every part of the way the world works. All of it is being, is moving towards restoration, isn't it? All of it. God is still winning back still waiting in mercy, winning back prodigals, calling them home all around us. He's still doing the same work. He's still calling out for humanity to come home, to be a part of of his reconciling work. So here's the deal, guys. I really believe this. At the next generation, it needs a charge like this. It needs requires a charge like this that they they need something to really live for something again that requires faith that requires risk that requires a, a living up in to it requires that wholehearted love for god that wholehearted devotion for him and so here's what I, I i look around and i wonder does the culture around us does the world around us lack a david to solomon charge today Does it lack? Is there, are we living in the void of a David to Solomon charge? And I want to know who, who will charge the next generation to more? Who will charge them to more? Who will step out of the fear of I don't want to ask too much of my kids? I don't want to put them in a place where they're like out beyond themselves and they might face a little bit of failure, right? Who is going to step out of that? Who is going to say, listen, I am here to provide more than comfort and ease for the generation behind me. I'm here to leave better more than just like technological advances and conveniences for their life, right? Because my problem, guys, I see it. My problem is like, let me just do it for you. Kevin's always like, stop cleaning their rooms. And I just go in, I'm like, well, I'm doing laundry anyways, right? And just pick up, you know, like, no, wear your BO shirt to work, you know? Like, okay, I'm I my rant, okay. But this is what I see, this is what I see in David, guys. He didn't give Solomon something easy and safe and comfortable to do. He didn't. He aimed really high. He aimed for the impossible. He didn't first get Solomon together and, okay, Solomon, what do you have an affinity for? What, where's, where, you know, where, What's your personality fit? What, what do you, what's your passions? He didn't get Solomon together and go, based on your past experiences and your training and your equipping, I think you should dot, 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 right? He didn't do any of that. In fact, we see so clearly in the scripture, Solomon in the scripture is described as inexperienced, and too young and just disqualified for this job all together, all together. But David saw the need. He saw what needed to get done, and he called his son to do it anyways, didn't he? Out of his love for God, he called him to do it anyways. And here's what I wonder, guys, and I'm in the boat with this, but I wonder if we have not called this next generation to something glorious. And then we've criticized them for wasting so much time on TikTok. Have we done that? Have we done that? Have we looked at them and we've said, you know, you know, you're just, you're selfish or you're entitled or what those, those things that we describe them in. But have we given them anything glorious to be a part of church? Have we? Have we called them to greatness? And I, again, I am absolutely a part of this, but I wonder, could this be the answer for the hopelessness? Could this be the answer for the despair and the depression and the anxiety that is only on the rise in the generation behind us? Could it be that we have not given them purpose beyond a good job and being the best at your sport or getting the best grades? Have we called them to a purpose that lines up with the mission of God that we see every page of this book? We called them to it. I think that the real problem, we look around and we just talk a lot about the problems. We use these words like disconnection, don't we? Disconnection, distraction, and we talk about those things, and we complain about how everyone's on their phone, and they just don't know how to connect with people, right? But I think it's a symptom that reflects this bigger issue. Somewhere along the line, the David stopped charging the Solomons, that we stopped charging the Solomons to live for something more. And now we don't have a culture that's disconnected from each other, you guys. They are disconnected from an impossible future. And I really believe that God is pointing his finger at this today and he is saying, come along. There is someone coming. We have to think multi-generational. God always thought multi-generational. Always what he wanted to accomplish, you guys. It required more than just what one generation could do. Do you remember the call to Abraham? It was a father of nations. That could not be completed in 25 years, could it? Remember Joseph. Joseph was like, I know we're headed to a promised land. It's impossible and it is so far out there. But when you go, take my bones. I have plans for my bones because this will happen. And so he called the generation behind him. Hey, get something ready to carry my bones with you because I know where you're headed. And so they had the vision in front of them of what could be, what could be. And so I want us to I want us to get charged up. I want us to do what David did because, you guys, there is heaven-sized work that has to be finished. And you know what? I would rather err on the side of faith. Is anybody with me? Like, I know, sometimes I'm like, this greatness thing, this greatness thing. You know what? But I think it's the call of God that we live as a people that are dependent on his presence, dependent on his spirit, to do more than what we feel qualified, trained, equipped to do, right? All right. All right. Okay. Wedding needs wine, people. <laughs> All right. So here are just two practical ways. I'm going to try to make this practical. This is it's always like, make it practical, Molly. Okay. All right. Here's, here's, I'm just going to give you two examples of um, what happens in our household. The first thing, um, this is kind of a fresh example, but I was talking with one of my kids about underage drinking. And, um, and we were just talking about, why um, we're, we don't do that in our house? And um, as we were having this discussion, um, we weren't—we're uh, real careful to not just say no, we don't do that because I said so, because it's wrong. You know, we we were, we're what we do is we actually um, begin ca- creating vision and casting identity around these conversations. And so, what I want us to do is—is is this? It's really like telling the bigger story. So it's taking the negative and it's making, it's reframing it into a bigger story. And so what we do is we use opportunities like that to say, this is what we're a part of. You are a part of a family that is restoring humanity. This is why we don't do that, because you are actually a part of something so much bigger. We actually don't give ourselves to that because what you do, Anna, we do, oops, as a family. (laughs) Sorry, honey. don't live like the culture around us because we're actually called to something that is outside of culture. We actually live according to the ways and values of heaven because we're on a mission with God to bring the lost home, right? So I just use it. We use it to cast vision for who we are, right? And we just use it. Yeah. We, we don't live like the rest of humanity. We don't. We don't live like, we don't think in terms of what makes the best night out, right? How can I have the most fun tonight? We actually do this because we're living from a bigger picture, and we're bringing the help of heaven to a hurting world. So I say things like that in those types of conversations. We just use them. We reframe it. So when you hear, and I promise you, you will hear, we are the only ones who, Mom and Dad, this isn't fair. I am the only one who has a curfew. This isn't fair. This is what we did. We collected screens at the end of the night and put them in our room. And it was an epic battle for a bazillion years. And I was, it was worth the fight. We collected screens every night and it was, you are the only ones who do this. You know, like that was what we got, right? You are the only one who makes me do this. This is what we do. We just reframe it because we're a family who, because if it's not your child, you're a person who, Right? You're calling them to something. You're creating, we live according to the ways of heaven. Whatever that, um, that thing might be for you, I just want you to create vision around it. Create identity around it. We are a family who? Remember back in the day, guys, people's, um, family business, their last name reflected what they did. So you have like the bakers, my favorite people. You have, um, uh, like who else? The, the Smiths who were, like, working with metals, Chamberlains, they were the ones who got to, like, guard the the sleeping chambers of, like, the sovereigns where you have the Chamberlains, right? Like, and it's passed down. This is what we do. We're just, we're the bakers, right? This is what we do. We are a family who provide cookies, you know? So that's what I want us to do. I want us to... to we are a family who carries treasure in a jar of clay, whatever it may be. We're a family who keep our, heart, our hearts free to hear God's voice. We're a family who are going to see impossible things because we pray, right? So reframe it. Tell the bigger story. Tell the bigger story. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, find a mantra, or if you don't like that word, a mission statement, or if you're Carly, a theme song, you're going to sing it. And I want you to find a mantra. So this is what I found myself doing before the kids would um, go out the door in the morning to school. and I still find myself doing it. Um, as they're running out the door with Pop-Tart in hand, I'll say something like, find someone to love today. You know, like it just comes out of me. Like, and I'll say it or like, find someone to love today, right, Anna? Or I'll say something like, you bring the kingdom with you, you know. So I have this little mantra that I say over and over and over again. And again, you can do this with your, your niece, your nephew, your grandkids, your, someone you work with, with anybody, anyone in that next generation. You just tell them, you're going to leave this world a better place with God's help, with God's help, because you live by faith, right? And, uh, I, I just want you to think about what, what is one, a charge that you can get in your heart that you can just say is like a mantra. To the people around you. Look for someone to love today. You have love of heaven. Look for someone to love today. And here's what I'm asking this might take a little bit of time to think of this, to develop this, but David, if we look at his preparations, it was painstaking. He said it was painstaking what he prepared and the plans and the money and the cost involved. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Just develop this mantra. Just get it and develop it, work it like a muscle over and over again until it just becomes something that just comes out of you in that in the morning, right? So here's the deal, guys. I am charging us. I am charging us to be a church of David's to the Solomons of this world. I am charging us to bring about the impossible plans of God, the impossible plans of God that make him known in this earth like he longs to be known that bring in praise and encounter and worship of the God of heaven into new ways in this earth. Because I tell you guys, this is what God is doing. He has not given up on his bride. He is not. We know where we're headed. We know what he's going to do. And he it's, it's just this opportunity to get in step and to bring it about, to leave a legacy, to leave a legacy. So what I want... Um, us to do for ministry time is I actually really want do, to do a little time of um, repentance and um, and and then just welcoming the Holy Spirit to kind of show us how we're going to work this out. But could we stand up, all the Davids in the house, and um, and this time is just we, this is such a sweet time for us as a church. We love this time because. Um, we just get to wait before God and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, so what do you want to do, right? We know that he moves and interacts and works among us and he moves through the word, but then somehow the Holy Spirit sometimes just comes and just does things in our hearts. And so that's what we're looking for in this time. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer. And we're just going to start with repentance because I felt like um, the Lord just was, really put in his finger on this part for me in my heart. And repentance just means change in directions. It's turning from um, something lesser to the ways of God. And here's what I want to start. I want us to start with repentance for the way that we have criticized and complained instead of charged, where we've just echoed the culture and the things that the culture has said about the generations behind us. And so, um, so God, we just come before you as a church. There's something really great, guys, about this, just a collective giving our heart to something. I think what God wants to do is really, it's so much bigger than just individual families. I just really feel like this is just a, a, a day for us as the church to pave a way for what God wants to do and I don't even know all of what he wants to do behind us but I do know it's amazing and so God we start right here with our own hearts and the way we've kind of contaminated that channel um, that the charge wants to come through I feel like we've blocked it up with our own criticism and complaints and really it's hopelessness and it it's really counter the creative work of God. And so, God, we lay aside right now all of the places where we have criticized. And my goodness, I have pointed my, that finger. I have pointed it. And, God, I'm so sorry for the way that I've partnered with the culture and the enemy's voice. However subtle it has been, guys, it's still his voice. And so, God, we lay before you the offense of our heart. And we say that we're really sorry that our heart hasn't reflected your multi-generational heart, God, to hand off impossible dreams and to charge and to call into greatness. God, we're so sorry for the places where we've looked with our eyes and we've judged with what we can see and we've judged with um, really where we've just allowed judgment to block up the channel that where we could see, like David saw, he could see it. And he was like, no problem. Solomon's going to do this. You're going to do it, Solomon. You're going to do it. You're going to run with this. And so God, we just come before you and we repent. We repent for those places where we have looked at the generation behind us and called them lazy. And where we've called them, uh, you know, where we've just said that they were, that they were weak and where we've um, partnered with just the enemy's voice god wherever that may be in our hearts we just repent of it right now god and we stand here as the church we get to stand in that place god let's stand in that place and god we're so sorry we're so sorry that we've said that they don't want you we're sorry that we've said that they're you know whatever unchurched or they're not open to god or they're just they just want entertainment i'm so sorry not what they want. They want you, God, they want you, but they want you in the greatness of who you are. And so God, I just pray right now that we would be a people where the charge of God would flow through us to the next generation, that we would be a people of legacy, God that we would be the Davids to the Solomons, that we would outlive our years, that the dreams that are in your heart would just flow through us, that we would hand them off, God that we would hand them off, and this is for you, God for your fame. They get to do it. And so right now, then, God, we turn and we bless. I want us to bless the next generation. I want you to either get somebody in your mind. I don't care if it's an adult child, if it's a niece, a grandchild. I want you to get someone in your mind right now. Maybe there's someone next to you. I know there's a couple um, teens in the room. Maybe it's your kids downstairs. I just want you right now to bless them to bless them to do impossible things for God, to bless them to reconcile the world back to the Father, to, to bless them to be a, a, a channel that healing would flow through. Just bless them right now to hear the voice of God. Bless them to dream dreams. Bless them to have visions. Bless them to preach the word in creative ways. Bless them to encourage the generation around them. Bless them with like everything you have. Bless them with, with big things. Bless them. Them with risky things, things that require faith. Maybe you have a kid right next to you, just put your hand on them and bless them, call them up, charge them into the greatness of God. they want greatness. They want more than their their lives to just make a good movie one day. They want the greatness of God and we want it for them God, we want it for them. God, let us set it up for them. let us set it up for them.